Welcome to Southern Sense Talk Radio with your host, the radio chick, Annie Ubellis. Join Annie on Tuesdays and Fridays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time with an open chat room full of her regulars. And yes, you can even call in. Call 917-889-3675. That's 917-889-3675 to be a part of the action on the phone line. Not able to listen live? Not a problem. You can always catch Annie, the radio chick, and Southern Sense Talk Radio podcast in archives at southern-sense.com. So sit back, relax, and enjoy Southern Sense the right way. Good afternoon, and welcome back to Southern Sense here on Blog Talk Radio, SHR Media, High Plains, Daily News, Kinetic Hi-Fi, The Fix FM, out of Charleston, South Carolina. I'm your hostess with the most the radio chick here on Southern Sense, along with my co-host, Curtis C.S. Bennett, who is on the road at another book signing. Good afternoon, Curtis, and how are you doing today? Hey, I'm in Georgia. I'm trying to find some Georgia peach peaches, and I'm talking fruit. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm on the road again. <laughs> I'm on the road again. Book signings as usual. It was always good to be back on the show and to, to interview our guests. Who do we have today? Well, well, we got two great guests today. We've got Maria Espinoza with the Remembrance Project. She'll be joining us, returning to us. We've got a new guest, Amanda Head. She's known as the Hollywood conservative, and, oh, she is a panic. Uh, we're going to have a lot of fun with her, so she's going to be joining us on the second half of the show. Uh, but I get, give you a little bit of a heads up. Um, Georgia is not the, the largest peach-producing state. It happens to be South Carolina. So Georgia, well, even though they say they are the peach state, we produce nicer, sweeter, and the juiciest peaches you ever want. So you want a real peach, you come here to South Carolina and get some nice peaches here. Uh, Georgia's known for the Vidalia onions. So if you go through Vidalia, see if you can pick up some of those onions. Uh, excellent. Oh, man. All right. Uh, those that listen to the show, I want to welcome everyone that's showing up in the chat room, listening in on YouTube and Facebook, broadcasting live there. I want to welcome you all aboard. And those that listen to the show always know we start off each and every show with a dedication to a fallen hero. And today's show is going out to Detroit Police Officer Glenn Anthony Doss, Jr. His end of watch was Sunday, January 28th of this year, 2018. And this is from Freep.com, written by Hassan Dudar of the Detroit Free press and he writes he fought a good fight he's truly what we call one of detroit's finest he is what we call an american hero he did what we expect each and every officer to do go out and serve this community with distinction and honor said detroit police chief james craig Whitchite. A poster with condolences and photographs sits next to the casket during the funeral for fallen Detroit police officer Glenn Doss at Greater Grace Temple in Detroit. Glenn Doss Jr., the Detroit police officer who died after being shot in the line of duty, was remembered by his father 
as the kind of son about whom you can't say anything bad. At the funeral service, attended by hundreds at the Greater Grace Temple in Detroit. It is an honor to be his, his dad, said Glenn Doss Sr., a 19-year veteran of the Detroit Police Department, who received a standing applause as he took the stage behind the open casket of his 25-year-old son, who had served nearly two years on the force before his untimely death on January 28th. Detroit Police Officer Glenn Doss Sr., speaks during the funeral for his son. He called male members of the family to stand in front of the stage as he spoke. When he concluded his remarks, together they joined in the song, Just the Two of Us, which Glenn Doss Sr. described as a father-son favorite that he sang to his son ever since he was little all the way to growing up to being a young man. Detroit Police Chief James Craig told the audience, that it wasn't too long since he stood on the stage at Greater Grace Temple with both Glenn Doss Jr. and Glenn Doss Sr. and presented the younger Doss with his badge and took a photo with him. His brief but unforgettable two-year career with the Detroit Police Department will forever be preserved by the memory of his unyielding dedication, said Craig, who described Glenn Doss Jr., as an American hero who touched many lives and served fellow officers with tremendous work ethic. Craig said in an attack on any officer is an attack on all of us, but took a moment to touch on mental illness. The man accused and charged with killing Glenn Doss Jr. suffers from mental illness, according to the family. No longer can we or should we ignore this issue, Craig said, after remembering other fallen officers, including one of his friends who he said was killed by someone suffering from mental illness. It needs to be addressed, to be addressed today. Governor Rick Schneider, who ordered flags at the state capitol complex at half-staff, described the loss of Officer Doss as an awful day. The question is, what do you do when you see these awful days come, Schneider said. Well, the first thing we needed to do is recognize we're all together. We need to support one another. We need to rally together. Detroit Mayor Mike Duggan said he was so heartbroken he could barely speak when he visited Glenn Doss Jr. in the hospital. I love being mayor of Detroit, but the worst days are the days when one of our first responders are critically injured. And you go to the hospital and you meet and start to get to know a family at what is the most stressful, traumatic time of their life, Dugan said. Glenn Doss Jr. was responding to a domestic violence call the night of January 24th on the 5500 block of McDougal Street near East Kirby when a gunman shot him in the head. Police officers from across Michigan lined up in formation along Seven Mile Road at the funeral for fallen Detroit police officer Glenn Doss. The gunman had barricaded himself inside the home until officers threw tear gas into the house and he was eventually captured. DeCarlos O'Brooks, accused of shooting Doss, has been charged with eight counts of assault with intent to murder, according to the Wayne County Prosecutor's Office. Brooks, 43 of Detroit, 
also was charged with seven counts of resisting and obstructing, one count of carrying a dangerous weapon, and 17 counts of felony firearm. The probable cause hearing for Brooks was set on February 6th. Glenn Doss represented everything that is good about public service. Detroit Police Department, the city of Detroit, said Craig at the service. Today's show is dedicated to Officer Doss. It is also dedicated to all the brave men and women out there that serve as first responders, be they law enforcement, firefighters, or EMS. We also dedicate it to all the brave men and women that serve in our military from the birth of our nation through today and into the future. And we dedicate it with this song by Todd Allen Harrington. Born in the grip of oppression I fought for my liberty I paid with the blood of my people Freedom has never been free Now my door's always open To dreamers and friends When I'm attacked I protect and defend
All right, Todd Allen Harrington, My Name is America. And uh, we should have good sound out there. Someone in the chat room is saying that they don't have sound. They hear occasional clicking. It may be your computer because I'm showing sound on all of my meters here. Um, I don't know what's going on, but I'm showing sound here. All right, you're here listening to Southern Sense here on Blog Talk Radio, SHR Media, High Plains Daily News, Kinetic High Five, the Fix FM out of Charleston, South Carolina. I'm your hostess with the mostest, the radio chick, Annie, along with my co-host, Curtis C.S. Bennett. Curtis, we are waiting for our guest to call in. Yeah, hopefully um, she'll call in soon. <laughs> but we got plenty, you know, to talk about, especially uh, what's going on in Washington and with this investigation and with Sean Hannity's name coming up. We've got a lot to talk about. Oh, man. You just can't make some of this stuff up, you know. All of a sudden, I was driving home, and I happened to have, you know, a Patriot Radio on, on my XM radio, and I hear Sean Hannity talking, and I'm saying, what is he talking about when you say, I never hired him as an attorney? And I thought he was talking about Trump, uh, Trump and the Cohen uh, episode. And I'm saying, what does Hannity have to do with what's going on with um, Trump? And I said, this is strange. This is really, really strange. So why didn't, uh, what's he doing with it? And all it seems like this guy Cohen claims that uh, he was an attorney for Trump, not for Trump, for uh, Hannity. And the left just went rabid on it. And it turns out he never retained this guy. He just met him, asked him a couple of questions conversationally. And the guy now claims he's, he's Hannity's attorney. Is this not strange? <laughs> well, it's like Rush was saying. I was li- listening to Rush on the on the radio while I was on the road driving, and he said it, it's all about you know damaging um, people like like Hannity and Rush's um, um, you know personality and, and and to make them you know look bad so people to these um, radio shows to listen, you know. It's all about destroying people from the left whenever they have opportunity to. Well, it, it looks like we have our guest in on the line. Let me bring her in. And here we go. Good afternoon, Maria. How are you doing today? Hi, Annie. How are you? <laughs> Hello, Maria. Oh, man, we, we, there's so many crazy things going on. Uh, out there today, but we're going to be talking about uh, what is going on with the uh, uh, immigration on the border, and uh, it looks like Jerry Brown, Governor, Governor Moonbeam, was going to send troops to the border. Now he isn't, and now he may, and now he may not. Does this guy know what side of the fence he ever sits on? No, no, I think it was probably too many drugs back when. <laughs> right? <laughs> um, but but really, it's, it's really... Uh, Sad and disappointing, Annie, because, um, you know, we're talking about um, lives, millions of lives at stake here and the rule of law. And he cares nothing whether or not he's um, a lawful governor or a lawless governor. Oh, that's that's the sad part. That is really, really the sad part. And the citizens of California, they're the ones that end up paying the uh, penalty. You know, they're really talking already about splitting California into uh, three different states. Is that crazy <laughs> or not? 
It is. And, you know, we have wonderful patriots in California who, in my opinion, are holding a line and doing the job that this governor um, and his staff, the entire his administration, um, absolutely going against placing our country first and placing um, the public safety and, and not to mention the national security um, issue. That is that is also a huge fact. But uh, we've got this. We thought they had turned around this caravan. Now there's word that the caravan is still moving forward to the border. You know, we can't even get Mexico to cooperate with us. I mean, Trump is going to have to do something and say, all right, fine. If one more illegal comes across that border, we're going to cut off all aid. He's got to put the line in the sand like he did with Syria. Right. And this is a problem, Annie. It's 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 on Congress's shoulders. And as you know, one man cannot do it all, and he and it's, it's our system, it's our government is set up that way, and Congress is sitting back with a smirk on their face, knowing that they've tied our president's hands. And when he's tied the hands of our, they've tied the hands of our president. They've also put us all at risk, all Americans, no matter what demographic and what party you you stand with, or or any party. You know, we're talking about the public safety, and they're, they're playing with our lives because they are, have sold out to the American people. Yeah, and now we've got with the sanctuary cities, and I love this because now there's more than a dozen cities that have entered in with uh, Jeff Sessions, the Department of Justice, a lawsuit against the state of California. And yeah. everyone is starting to jump onto this bandwagon. I love it. It's now San Diego County and Orange County cities. Right. Los Alamitos, San Bernardino. We have several. I, um, I'm so happy that you see that. And our state director there in California, Robin Vitson with We the People Rising, has uh, stayed on top of this and continues to add um, jurisdictions to their list. So they, you know, we have people in California who do have uh, some common sense, Annie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That's it, it, funny because uh, Jeff Sessions, his quote was is that uh, the laws, that the suit is because the laws are unconstitutional and, in quote, a plain violation of federal statute and common sense. You know, it's about time that we bring common sense back into the argument Uh, because some of the stuff you see going on, uh, he even appoints an illegal alien, Jerry Brown, to his staff. You know, Mm -hmm. talk about violating our our laws uh, just blatantly. It's amazing. Right. It's amazing how far these sore losers will take their um, their loss. You know, they don't want to admit that. Donald Trump is our president. They don't want to admit <clears throat> that they are on the wrong side of what the people want, which is watching out and legislating for the betterment of America and Americans, not on citizens. And all this is set up to ruin our country. Here we have, what, 90 million Americans out of work or displaced, and we are opening our borders to even more cheap labor and giving them the social benefits. You know, we all know this. We have the IRS um, attacking conservative groups while they're handing checks to illegal aliens, you know. So, and, and 
Congress knows this. I, I go back to Congress, Annie, because we all have to continue calling them and just telling, reading them the right act and telling them to do what's right and demanding that they drop this whole protecting DACA recipients. They need to protect Americans, and that's the root of this. Either they're for Americans or they're against us, and, and that's the bottom line. And we also, I'm also encouraging people to, craw, to call across state lines, Annie, because evidently if our legislators care nothing about borders and they're bending over backwards to do for illegal aliens, then a simple zip code shouldn't matter to them because obviously borders are not important to them. Well, you know, the, the funny part is, is that I was just going to make a, a comment here that what California is doing is they're issuing them government-issued IDs, which means they can go across the border from California into any of the other states or U.S. territories even and pretend they are a citizen and go out and get a driver's license and vote and get a job under the assumption that they are a legal citizen because they hold this California government-issued ID. So maybe we should turn around to the rest of the 49 states and say, hey, listen, if you got a California ID, why don't you run it through E-Verify or something like that before you do anything with this person? Because don't trust anyone coming from California. I'm sorry, Curtis. You're right. Ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say that the United States, of, they will come after American citizens because they owe maybe 1000 to up to $20,000. They'll come and, and ruin your reputation. Um, they'll, they'll possess your home and things like that. Yet, they will not go after mayors and governors of these sanctuary cities and, and arrest mm-hmm. them. You know, it's, it's mm-hmm. crazy. It's upside down. That's, you know? that's a good point, Chris. You're right. And, you know, we've been asking for the Department of Justice to jail, prosecute these people under Title Eight, Section 1324. We need to make them an example because you know, right. they cannot be allowed to hide behind their title as immunity, and they can't be allowed to use taxpayer dollars to defend themselves when they act illegally, basically. Well, you know, there is a growing movement because Texas has managed to get it passed. It got challenged in court, and it stands. Mm -hmm. God bless Governor Abbott for that, where they put legislation forward that if there's any government official that is aiding and abetting an illegal alien, preventing justice from being done, that they can be held criminally and civilly responsible. And we need the rest of the states to start to do the same thing. We've got 16 sanctuary states that are attacking our federal government and our rights as citizens. So why don't the majority of the remaining states, the other 34, enact this other laws and then just, hey, listen, you want a separate country? You 16 states, go over there. Become the Confederate States of America. Well, I have a better idea. Um, Why don't they leave? Those elected officials <laughs> That's what I said. find another country. You know, we, we want to keep the state and its resources and the people, you know, who are wonderful patriots. If they're not happy here and they think that a communist type of, um, let's say, um, country uh, or government is better, then why don't they find a country under communism rule and head that way? One-way ticket, I think, that the voters will get together and ship them out. Um, otherwise, they need to... 
be written the, the read the right act, file the constitution, and um, do what they're supposed to do. Um, they certainly um, cannot remain in office, and that's un- very unfortunate, Annie, because if we, in, as an employee, um, behaved in the same manner and did not uh, do what we were told, then we would be fired. These are servants. These elected officials are servants, and they took an oath, and they're not serving. Now, that's true, because you know, when I mentioned Governor Brown about deciding whether or not he's going to send troops, um, KTLA out of uh, L.A. had reported that Brown said he was going to send 400 troops. Uh, and he said they are there not to enforce federal immigration laws. However, their mission is to fight transnational crime. Now, isn't an illegal alien coming across the border a transnational crime? Isn't an Absolutely. illegal uh, human traffic, trafficking across the border a human trafficking and illegal, a transnational crime? Isn't drug smuggling across the border a transnational crime? So by enforcing federal immigration laws, you're also handling transnational crime, Governor Moonbeam. Absolutely. Absolutely, and it's it's a funnel. It's funneling through um, to the rest of the United States. I mean, Texas is big, you know, um, with that um, pipeline through Houston. So we we are very aware of this. Um, we're doing what we can. I, I I'd wish that the state, you know, so and we have to be very strong, and we have to be serious about our national security, our sovereignty and legislating for the betterment of Americans. And, and, you know, as you know, the most egregious of all is the loss of life, and illegal immigration can be easily stopped. Um, And they simply, Congress and and all levels of government, you have these elected officials who have sold out and bend over backwards for illegal aliens because the U.S. Chamber of Commerce donates to their campaigns, and they get reelected, and they're treated like royalty, so, um, you know, we've, we've really got to turn this around and place America first. When you can't say um, um, you're a Pledge of Allegiance in your own country and fly your own flag and wear um, your president's name on your T-shirt and not be tacked is absolutely proof that we're in a lot of trouble here. You know, that's the shameful part. You know, anyone that does display anything with Trump on it, you know, I was walking around the last couple of days with a T-shirt that said, don't tread on me. And, you know, I would get a couple Mm -hmm. of nasty looks. But overall, the vast Americans agree with me. Don't tread on me. You know, we are Mm -hmm. patriotic Americans, and it let us have our freedoms and liberties that our founding fathers set forth for us, that God granted us, not man. Yes. And when you give rights, to illegal aliens over American citizens, something is, as my friend Mike Cutler always says, is bass backwards. <laughs> right. Yes. The illegal aliens are untouchable here in America. That's unfortunate. And, and, and it's not unfortunate. It's sad. And we're losing our country. And we have to stand up for our country. And I, I beg all your listeners to continue calling the representatives, we have to be sure that we're slapping them back and telling them that they better legislate for us. Be stern, don't be rude or, you know, profanity, of course, but just be stern 
and remind them, but also we have to identify those good conservatives who will run for office and, and remove them, and we have to really get behind them and support them. And then when they win, like our President Donald Trump, we have to support them and nurture them along the way because they're going to be up against that big swamp, and they can easily get swallowed up. And, and you know, we want to remind them that we have a great country, the greatest country in the world, and but we have to fight to keep it. You know, well, you know that is a huge amen to right. that one. You guys were right about the uh, T-shirt thing and whatnot because for eight years I put up with people, you know, wearing Obama T-shirts and and having Obama, you know, signs and things like that on their um, cars and and you know I didn't picture fit or anything, you know. Um, mm-hmm. We put up with Obama for eight years and we just sucked it up. And that's what I feel like telling those on the left. Look, we put up with your guy for eight years, and we didn't have have a, a temper tantrum. So um, why can't you folks put up with ours? You know, they always say or try to claim that they're the party of, you know, accepting other people and opinions and things like that. But they're very closed-minded and very, very, you know, intolerant when it comes to mm-hmm. other views and whatnot. And They're that's bullying. the problem I have with the left. They are very intolerable. Yeah, I think they're bullies, Chris. You know, we've come across that several times um, and it, come to find out it, it's okay for them to speak their minds, but once you want to have your own opinion, they're attacking us. And, you know, we, the conservatives, for the most part, are all pretty kind and, and you know, um, responsible and, and we don't get carried away but here our niceness has really emboldened them I think and they're very aggressive and they're bullies um, I, I get it on social media I get people emailing very ugly things to me threatening my life even and um, you know all because I'm posting something and they don't like it you know, that's that's the problem. Whenever we have something that is socialistic or communistic, uh, you will have the groups that will be part of the tyranny. You saw it with Hitler and the brown shirts, the crystal knock. Oh, we saw it with the Antifa over here. No matter where you have socialism or communistic leanings, you're going to have a tyranny. And there will be only one voice, and it will be their voice and no one else's. You know, shut up and sit down. What happened to me when I went and and attended Love Thy Muslim Neighbor when they were trying to put, you know, a mosque into our community and they were asking for our our opinion. And the imam is quoting the Quran, but (laughs) deliberately leaving out passages. And when I challenged him, I was told to sit the blank down. You know, Mm -hmm. they don't want to hear the truth. And that is the problem. The more we speak the truth, the more they want to deny it. And with this thing that we were talking about earlier with Hannity, you know, you've got an attorney that says, this is my client. That's a blatant lie in court. Sorry, that's perjury. And now the left goes ape over the fact that Hannity is associated with this attorney. He's his client. It's a lie, guys. Mm -hmm. Look at the truth. (laughs) And and they Mm -hmm. don't want Mm -hmm. to hear the truth. And when we deal with DACA, and they make it sound like all these innocent children are going to be so irre- irreparably damaged by simply following the law. And it, it was offered, hey, listen, let's look at this by a case-by-case 
incident. Because, yes, there are going to be some that are completely innocent, had no idea that they were here illegally. And there was a case, I, I, we spoke about this, you and I, earlier in one of your appearances, that you know, Lindsey Graham did it the right way that, back then. But suddenly now he can't do it the right way. Where she found out she was yeah. illegal when she turned 18 and went to get her driver's license and attend college. That's when she found out. But she did return to family back from where she came from and then returned here legally and became an American citizen. It can be done. But instead, exactly. no, and no, I'm, I'm glad of, you said. No, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, and you're right. And, and that's what we want right there. Um, for them, there, there is a front door and we want them to go out and come in the front door and use, utilize the immigration system that we have so that we're, you're, you're obtaining the right application so that we know exactly who is here and wh- who you are. Um, you know, so that's the answer right there. But no, Congress wants to bend over backwards, jump through hoops for illegal aliens, regardless of how they came here. You know, the DACA recipients, their average age is 24 to 26, up to 36 and 37 years old. So they're plenty, should have the wherewithal to go ahead and come the right way. And and that should be the bottom line. And the rest, well, let's see if they truly um, were brought over and when, um, and no chain migration. So we have to, some at some point, we have to say stop. Enough is enough. And I think we're at that point now. Otherwise, as you can see what's going on all over the United States and certain jurisdictions following the lead of California. Yeah, that's the unfortunate part. We did have a, a set way of doing migra- immigration here to the United States, but that changed in the 1960s. And my husband and his family, they had to be vetted. They stayed in a displaced person's camp in Germany until the family was vetted, and they had a sponsor. They had a place to live. The father had a job. My father-in-law had a job. And then the family was brought over as one unit. And there's like no more else. You know, this one group is coming. That's it. You know, you've got the parents, the four kids, and the grandmother, and that's it. No more chain migration. You can't, once you're here, say, hey, listen, you know, my cousin or by the third or fourth uncle wants to be part of the family. Or this person is my wife. I married her when I went visiting overseas. No. No. Once mm-hmm. you're here, that's it. Close the door. But mm-hmm. we stopped that in the 60s. There were times where we had absolutely no immigration because we said, all right, we need just X amount of people because we need people with these skills or these backgrounds. And once that door was closed, no one came in. And we've done it throughout our history for the first 200 years. Now, all of a sudden, it's got to be doors wide open. And, and, and again, we're, we're being told to shut up and sit down in, in our own country. And, no, and you look at Congress. You know, they knew all these loopholes were there. Um, you know, they didn't stop um, didn't close those loopholes to stop all the killings of Americans. You know, and I wonder if they have a number that they're willing to be okay with of innocent Americans being killed by illegal aliens because they're certainly not doing anything to stop it. You know, they'll um, maybe speak about a victim from the House floor. They'll have a hearing. Oh, they'll hold a little press conference, a photo op, and say, oh, yes, that's bad. However, I don't see um, any ongoing... Um, desire to help Americans, and especially Speaker Ryan. I'm glad he's stepping down, but I'm sure he'll still have his hand in politics and 
championing illegal aliens. And this is a man who ran away from angel moms and family members, didn't even step out of his home um, to extend his condolences when these mothers wanted to talk to him about what took place, how he could help um, save another uh, life, and yet he had he had nothing to do with it. But yet he had his uh, colleagues send him a letter, all make up, all by, by design, Annie and Chris. Uh, we call them the Dirty 34, where these representatives sent a letter telling Ryan to do something for the DACA recipients. I didn't see a letter asking Paul Ryan to help uh, protect American children. So we're in a bad place again, and I certainly um, ask your listeners to continue calling. Sign up on our website as well. We'll keep some of the information out there as much as possible. I know everyone's inundated with information but you know we're battling. We're we're going right to the sources, and you know in Texas we're actually going to hold a few presentations next month. We've already had um, one here in Houston. We'll be back to D.C. next week, but we're coming back in May uh, to hold presentations with the Angel families as well. You know you're going to get a kick out of this because uh, one of my Tea Party members had sent me a message and said, hey, listen, I ran across so-and-so from Lindsey Graham's office, and he wants to come to our tea party meeting. And I said, oh, yeah? (laughs) Oh, yeah? Mm -hmm. And then I kind of like gave him a little bit of an education on Lindsey Graham, and I said, I'm persona non grata in his office because I actually went nose-to-nose and toe-to-toe with him because he's the same height as me. And when I say I I was physically (laughs) nose-to-nose with him, and when his aides realized that uh, I was going after him, uh, I got the real gentle pull on the shoulders and redirected a new direction. (laughs) It didn't go over too well. (laughs) Well, we need people like you, Annie. Anyway. (laughs) We need people like you, and, and we all have to be that way. You know, protecting well, that was the our last country. Fundraiser what we stand they invited for. me to. Oh, <laughs> it was the last fundraiser that I went to. I'm no longer <laughs> on the guest right. list. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! But you know, we're talking about the DACA, and yeah, you know, it it it's to the point where you know, it's not just once in a while. But I just did a quick little search last night. I typed in DACA, an illegal alien arrested. And in just a matter of the last few days, I pulled up some horrific, horrific articles. Uh, in Oregon, this guy has been deported twice, deported twice. And he came back a third time and ended up being arrested for raping a girl under the age of 14, not once, but several times. And he was released on $25,000 uh, bond bail. And ICE was not notified that he was in custody until after he was released. You know, here you mm-hmm. have a horrific yes. crime against our child, an innocent child that forever will have her life destroyed for the rest of her life because this illegal alien has been allowed to come back twice, and then the court releases him on the bond. Uh, it, it, it's, it's not just one story. And then I turned around. There's another one, a female illegal, DACA, 21, and she threatened to shoot up upstate New York school. Uh, Come on. Yes. Mm -hmm. 
All right. And now uh, there's another one I pulled up. Uh, deputies arrested for Sarasota road rage. This illegal alien, this DACA guy, um, ran, ran a motorcyclist off a road. Now, I used to ride a bike. And the last thing you want to do is get into an argument with the car because nine times out of ten, the motorcyclist will not make it out of the good end of that argument if they do manage to make it out of, alive out of that accident. You, you don't run over a motorcyclist with your car. Come on. But this is, this right, is what we're now, having. Yes, and we have enough crime and bad actors of our own that why are we importing um, more crime and, you know, the drug problem is exponentially exploded. You know, the the gang membership and horrible violence, um, you know, and you were talking about some of the crimes. Look at the, the Shamiri Miri um, man from Texas in the Dallas area who worked um, in the home health um, medical industry, and they're tying him to hundreds of possible killings or he helped care for elderly people. So for the last 10 years, they're going back to have to investigate um, if there were any, if they could. I mean, I don't know how they could do this if, um, you know, tying him to the um, deaths of these elderly people. I mean, I wouldn't want to see bodies exhumed, but, you know, this is what we're talking about. And, and remember, only about 30 or 35% of these perpetrators are caught Oh, it, it, it's it's absolutely horrific, absolutely horrific. And uh, we had we we've got a primary coming up uh, in June here in South Carolina. So of course I'm getting all these candidates, you know, wanting to come to our meetings. And um, we have the sheriff here. Uh, he's up. He has a challenger, and the guy challenger challenging him gave us some information we were unaware of that they cut down their drug task force and they cut down. Uh, other crime, gang crime task force and everything, they cut them more than 50%. The, the staff is at 50% of what it was only five years ago. And yet we're seeing a rise in illegal immigration, in drugs, in human trafficking, in smuggling. We're seeing a rise in it. And yet our own county sheriff decides to cut the staff so that he can buy a helicopter. So they can toss you know, Easter candy out the helicopter on Easter Sunday. Instead of taking care of the citizens that they serve, and we're seeing this time and time again, you know uh, that sheriff uh, in the shooting down in uh, Parkland, you know, he, he was catering mm-hmm. to an illegal community and to the Muslim community, but not to the citizens that voted him in office. And we, the people, have to change the tide. And the only way we can do that is by making our elected officials aware, and then by voting them out of office, as you said. Mm-hmm. Right. In the meantime, we have to continue calling and let the White House know also that you support Donald Trump, President Donald Trump's America First agenda, because he's listening, um, whether on social media, but calls are important as well. Um, and I don't trust social media much. I mean, we've had um, incidents with them, <laughs> um, you know, blocking and suspending accounts because someone retweeted our tweets. And, uh, you know, so we know, we know all this. It's good to know, but we have to be able to uh, make sure that our message is getting to President Trump and that we, we are working locally as well uh, to get those conservative candidates in office. 
Well, it really does my heart good when I see um, a lot of these new people stepping into the political arena to run for office for the first time. And a lot of them are veterans, veterans in the war in Iraq and Afghanistan. And, you know, these are men and women that dedicated their lives to serve in the military. And now once they're out of the military, coming forward to serve in the political arena uh, to help bring our country back to a solid republic. Um, again, you're right about telling Trump that you're, you're happy with what he's doing. Uh, here we had ICE made 89 criminal uh, arrests on the Texas-Oklahoma sweep. So things are being done to start to sweep up these people. Uh, and they're not knocking on people's doors, you know, saying, you know, come on, you know. No, they're going to workplaces where they're hired illegally. Uh, they're sweeping them up in, in criminal raids where they're going for like drugs or gang activity. And a lot of these that are coming over are members of MS-13. I mean, look what was mm-hmm. happening in the town that my husband was was living in. I lived in as a child. Both of us went to the public schools there in Brentwood, Long Island. You know, it, it is a war zone over there. And the oh, that's terrible. I remember going right. to the woods alone with my girlfriend to pick blueberries. And the kids are now even afraid to walk down the street. It's, it's, it's got to stop. Oh, well, absolutely. Um, and, you know, you take a look at what's going on in their country, and this is, you know, they're bringing, bringing that here. Um, you know, and Texas is not exempt from the crime either. You know, we had over 640,000 crimes, and that included... Um, 1,200 homicides in, in the past 10-year period. Um, you know, sexual assault, 6,000 sexual assaults, and about 68,000 assault charges. But, you know, and th- this is not just Texas, and like you said, in your town, but small towns you never would suspect. But, you know, these criminals have a pipeline, and they know exactly where to go, and they embed themselves um, they become, you know, they try to vote, illegal aliens, of course, um, and they do vote. I, mean, I don't think every single one of them tries to, but, um, yes, yeah, so they affect our policy in that area. Um, and here they're coming across the border, pouring across, and then these elected officials think that they have to um, bend the law or look away from laws to help support them, the illegal aliens. Um, very backwards uh, right now what we're dealing with, Annie. And, and again, it's not something that the fake news out there talks about. So it's great that we have voices like yours who are talking about this, and not only um, from your own experience, but you know, you're keeping up to date and just like everyone else should be doing. I think a lot of your listeners probably are in that same mindset where they're educating themselves so they can um, be knowledgeable when they go before their legislative, um, you know, their officials. You know, it, it, I want, my mind is going in about 15 different directions at the same time. Uh, but, you know, we have people out there. We even have the Mexican government sending um, their agents throughout the United States to assist these illegal aliens in avoiding the law and to remain in the United States. And uh, there's a website that was put up back in the 1970s, and it was originally to help people, you know, do some 
legal paperwork on their own if they need to do write up a will or something like that. You know, it was brought originally with good intentions, but now it has a major section on it on when an undocumented immigrant is caught, what to do, the number of ways in Mm -hmm. which an immigrant can come into ICE custody. They talk about a workplace raid. Um, If an immigration officer comes to your home, telling them don't open the door unless he or she has a warrant. Uh, this is what they're telling you to do. Uh, if ICE officers, uh, if you've been convicted of a f- crime, what to do? Uh, if you're found by another law enforcement agency. And here is what I really, it really gets me angry. They said, if you are within 100 miles of the border, be aware that officers of the U.S. Customs and Border Patrol, Border Patrol, are out there looking for undocumented immigrants. So they're basically telling them, once you cross the border, go more than 100 miles inside. Go into the heartland of America, and they'll never find you. So who's going to look for mm-hmm. you in, in, say, Wyoming? Right, and, and we're bringing these um, juveniles into the interior. You know, so the UICs come to the border or a family unit, we bring them into the interior. That's why the memo from President Trump ending the catch and release is very important, you know, asking asking General Mattis to give him a list of those military bases that are no longer in use so that we can create detention centers. So we're not bringing illegal aliens into the interior, giving them a court order to appear, which they ignore, going three and a half percent show up for court. Um, and they're lost. They're, they're, but then they find their way into onto our welfare system. What ticks me off oh, is that a lot of these liberal states that have allowed illegals to have, like, driver's license, they are considering allowing these folks to vote in the upcoming midterm mm-hmm. election. And it's, it's purely outright illegal, you know. And then, you know, you try to stop them, they go to court, and you, you have these activist judges who side with them. Mm-hmm. You know, that's got to stop. You know, we're a nation of laws. We don't have laws, and we don't abide by laws. We have anarchy, or people like we see, you know, just making it up as they go. Right, and Chris, we saw the fact that these judges, you had a lot of activist judges, activist DAs, uh, pushing forward their personal agendas over their role as a judge or DA. And in our letter that we sent to for the remaining candidates back in um, April or March of 2015, um, and Donald Trump was the only candidate out of the four, which was Senator Cruz, Rubio, Kasich, and of course Trump. Donald Trump was the only candidate who responded and and said that he would support uh, the Remembrance Project, a program. Um, to help out with some of the issues that we set out in the letter, medical burial counseling. And the key one also for the benefit of all Americans was help navigate in the court system. President Trump set up the Office of Voice, Victims of Immigration Crime Engagement. And right now I would like for it to do more. However, it's set up to give information to the families about the illegal alien criminal that's in the system. Uh, Before, like in California, they would block any information and not give anything to the family. So this guy could be easily deported and no one know about it. Um, You know, so 
you know, there are things that we're doing, and it's great to know that uh, during this whole process, the last year of Donald Trump's presidency, the American people are very much aware now and that the fake news has exposed themselves, that the Democrats have exposed themselves. And I'm talking about the DACA recipients. They care nothing about the DACA recipients. They want no security, and that's what they're after. During the State of the Union, Donald Trump put forward 1.8 million paths of citizenship over a 10- to 12-year period. Um, what did the D- Democrats do? No, they did not accept it. So that's not what they're really after. They're after n- no borders, chain migration, everyone come and ruin our country. I mean, the Democrat Party, and um, that was my party years back, um, you know, growing up with John F. Kennedy, and my parents supported him, And but it's not the Democrat Party of John F. Kennedy anymore. I just truly believe that the communist socialists have hijacked that party and, you know, we, we need to have those people come over for this America First agenda. Oh, wow. You said a lot. Because uh, I remember uh, my grandparents uh, proudly having a picture of JFK up in the, their house. And uh, even though my parents are conservative, uh, I remember when he was assassinated. And as a little kid confused mm-hmm. when I'm staring out the front window, wondering why I can't see the funeral procession. <laughs> Here you're in New York, that's in Dallas. <laughs> a little, my mind didn't quite register that. Uh, but it's a lot said because the Democratic Party has moved so far to the left. And that I don't know if it will ever survive coming back. You know, you've got a control arm in there that is forcing it further and further and further to the left. I mean, if you can get Governor Moonbeam to get reelected over and over again, there's something wrong mm-hmm. with the Democratic Party. Uh, if you can't get Nancy Pelosi out of power and Charlie Rangel is convicted of an ethics violation, and he still is, is in Congress. You know, you, Keith Ellison just recently, some of the statements he made, he's it, just rabid. Yeah, and I don't know if the Democratic Party will be able to survive the crazies out there. But as you said, we've got to support, you know, what is being done now. And I'm glad to hear about the program Voice. Because uh, victims mm-hmm. should be the primary concern of law enforcement and our government officials and the public. Instead, the concern is given to the illegal, to the criminal, and the victim is just treated even worse than when they were attacked. The victim becomes and, and the victim over again. A, but and you, you have exactly the words that we mentioned. Um, re-victimization of, of, of the families. Oh, I'm, yes, it's 800-222-9691. Right, the crisis hotline. So people can go to your website, the Remembrance Project, hit the crisis hotline, and get connected with you. And if they are a victim, I keep on hitting my microphone, I apologize. Um, yeah. If they are a victim of an illegal immigrant, uh, you, they can come to you and your organization and get a helping hand. Yeah, absolutely, and we help out with... Um, counseling and in their area and we put them in touch with a clinician that number goes straight to a clinician that answers the phone 24 hours a day and you know if um, there's a resources around the area um, we get a form we help fundraise and, and they don't have to pay for the counseling but the office of voice which is the um, president's office of voice I'll give that number as well um, and this is where they can call and register their case 
and try and get information if they're not able to obtain that information about the illegal alien criminal that's in custody already. That is 855-488-6423. And basically it's 855-48-VOICE. Oh, great, because I just wrote it down. I'll add it to the show page later on so people, when they listen to the podcast, can see it. And if they need to, they can uh, call the number and get the help they need. And it's important that we mm-hmm. let them know there is help. There are people out there that really do care. You know, uh, it, the crime rate has risen. And it's an unfortunate thing to say. And the more we have these illegal aliens coming in, the more we're going to have additional crime. You know, yes, there may be some innocent people coming across, but however, the fact they come across is a crime in itself. As you said, there is a front door and we'd like people to use it. You know, we wouldn't leave our front door in our own personal home left unlocked and go out and say, hey, listen, come in, take whatever you want. But that is what we're doing now. We're saying, come in, you get your welfare, you get your Section 8 housing, you get your food stamps, you get free education, you get free medical care. And then we help you find a job if you want it. Otherwise, we'll give you unemployment or something like that. Right, and and we'll actually displace an American. And I was just going to say, and, and, you know, we treat illegal aliens, people who broke into our country, snuck into our country, and that that is an offense, a crime, and treat them better than our elderly who have paid into the system and our veterans who have put their lives on the line and all the orphan children, about half a million American orphan children that need caring for. Now, it's easier to promote Planned Parenthood and abortion. And then because we have a lowering of the American native population, our our American citizens, because of abortion, we need to bring more people in. So let's bring them in illegally. So that makes sense, doesn't it? So instead of promoting life, and promoting our the, the innocent child, no, no, we'll bring a criminal in instead. Right, that someone with that <laughs> mindset. Can you believe that that um, we're even we we do this? I, I never would have thought it, but it's very unfortunate, Annie. And again, I do can't stress enough uh, the work that you do. It's very important to get the message out. So thank you. Well, I thank you for that. And, and, and what you do, and, and, and thank you for no longer being a Democrat. We had three restaurants growing up, so you know we quickly realized that that's just not the way to go. You have to work hard and looking around and seeing other people just and and being on the welfare roll and government cheese. It just was not working out. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I have to laugh because at, at the meeting, you know, I was telling everyone to make sure that they get out and vote. And so I said, vote like a Democrat, vote twice. Boy. <laughs> <laughs> I right, know right. I'm going to get a lot of heat on that one. <laughs> well, I think if you look at the issues um, and inject common sense, you know, you come right back to not even the Republican platform fits America first agenda like President Trump is championing. You know, this is a whole new revolution, and it is a quiet, or maybe not so quiet revolution, but it is, and we're, we are battling for our country, and that's, you know, one life at a time, and, and you know, uh, American lives matter, Annie, and, and that's where 
what we want to focus on. Well, that is a huge amen to that one. Maria, it has been so much fun having on you. And you know you're always welcome. You've got something new. Just you got my phone number. Pick me up. Pick up the phone. Give me a call or, you know, talk to your, your guy over there in public and uh, say, hey, listen, mm-hmm. let's get back on here. And uh, we've got something to talk about. <laughs> it's okay. always a lot Absolutely. of fun. And I'm telling everyone to check out the Remembrance Project and take a look at the uh, – the stolen lives quilt that you have up there. And if you, they know someone that needs help to call the crisis hotline. And I'm going to put the voice number up on the show page too. So they can, while they listen to the podcast can click on it and check it out too. You're an angel. Thank you so much, Annie. And God bless you and Chris and keep up the great work. And, you know, we're going to win. Uh, the, the other side has underestimated that scrappy American DNA that it's inside of. We're not, we're not giving up on this great country. That's right. We're fighters and we're coming up swinging. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's right. And I thank you for joining us. Go, go ahead, Curtis. Oh, I was just saying we we're Curtis? winners. Oh, we are Can winning. We are winning. Well, oh. yeah, we got you, Curtis. All right. Thank you, Maria. Uh, and uh, enjoy the rest of your week. We're welcome, and thank you. Thank you. All right, God bless. Uh, all right, check out Maria Espinosa. Check out the Remembrance Project. There's a link up on the show page. Just click on the link to check it out, and check out if you know someone, direct them to the crisis hotline. And as I said, I'm going to put up the uh, other phone number up onto the show page later on tonight. What a lovely, lovely lady. And uh, we're waiting for our next guest uh, to call in, Amanda Hedge. She should be calling in shortly. Um we have a lot to talk about, especially with her. Oh, good Lord. There's so much going on. And this recent revelations about Twitter and Facebook and uh, Google. Oh, gee. You think that they may be um, <laughs> cooking the books there and not letting conservatives get their word in edgewise, huh? Hey, it's, it's all about leaving those on the right. And, and not only that. They love to label us as extremists, you know. I would like to know what's extreme about loving your country and, and wanting, you know, to keep more of your, your money and having a strong military and, and you know, holding on to your rights. If, if that's extreme, then I guess I'm an extremist. Uh, I'm trying to send, and for some reason or other, I just lost my Facebook page. Oh, good Lord. I was trying to send Amanda a message to remind her to call in and see if we can get this back up again. And, of course, nothing's behaving with the way it is. Ah, jeez. If anything can go wrong, it normally goes wrong with me, right? (laughs) Well, I was going to ask you about Friday the 13th, how the show went off that day. Uh, Actually, not too bad. Not too bad. It went off pretty well, and Kel was with me, so we had a, a lot of fun. And it was a great show. So people can check out the shows now up on YouTube and Facebook. And uh, as I send this message, uh, bear with me, folks. This is live radio, live TV, and message sent. Okay. She should be calling in shortly. All right. Uh, Anyway, as I said, we're up live on Facebook and YouTube also. Um, and there are, you know, I heard something 
uh, that was really, really funny. I don't know if you caught this where Trump made a, a statement that he may consider uh, no longer federally going after the cities that sell uh, marijuana under their state law, uh, such places such as Colorado, uh, Oregon. Uh, yeah, he, he made a statement that he's no longer going to federally you know, prosecute them. He's not going to push to do it. And uh, next thing you know, the left is picking up saying, oh, Trump is going to legalize marijuana. No, he's not going to legalize marijuana. He's just not going to um, tell the DOJ to aggressively prosecute the cities that are selling you know, pot for recreational use. So I don't know if you caught Laura Ingram up on Fox News, but he, she had you know, someone from each side of the argument. Uh, there's this one attorney for a group out in Colorado, and then there was this one guy that doesn't want to see recreational marijuana you know, being promoted. Uh, it's not the type of pot that we smoked, as if I smoked right. <laughs> uh, I'm not saying, I'm not going to say uh, in, that if we did that, uh, it's not. It's chemically altered, and it's causing more cases of schizophrenia. But if you watched Laura Ingram last night, she went to interview this attorney from Colorado, uh, he had this look on his face like, duh, what? Uh-huh, that was a good doobie. And she's trying to talk to him. So she, and I looked at my husband and said, he's got to a smoke before he went on air. And the next thing out of her mouth was, are you high? <laughs> Did you smoke? <laughs> oh, man, it was just too funny. I think our next guest is up in on the line, and I'd like to welcome on to Southern Sense here, Amanda Head. Hi, are you, how are you doing, Amanda? I am great. Thanks so much for having me. I don't know if you caught the segment I was talking about with Laura Ingram last night when she had the pro attorney, uh, pro pot attorney on from Colorado with the uh, guy that was not for legalizing marijuana uh, on. Did, did you see that interview at all? I, I didn't, but I kind of wish I had. <laughs> oh, I'm sure some. I'm sure someone put it up on YouTube. But she's trying to ask this attorney questions, and he's he's got this look on his face like he's about already had three or four doobies. He's already smoked enough, <laughs> and his answers were like, "Duh, oh yeah, <laughs> man, oh wow." <laughs> yeah, I've heard that pot. Now, has, I've heard that pot has that effect. <laughs> I think they should legalize it for prisoners, so so we don't have. You know these guys, you know, rioting like they did in, um, I think it was South Carolina. We need to keep them mellow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, because I was doing as as we were watching the segment, um, and my husband and I were watching the segment. I started singing "One Don't Go with the Line, Sweet Jesus." <laughs> we cracked up. It's just too funny. If anyone has a link to that, you know, put it up in the chat room. It's it's just you gotta check it out. Oh man! Oh, yeah. I figured with you out in Hollywood, it just <laughs> oh yeah, it's oh, all around all right. me. And I... you know, when I when I first moved to LA, um, when I was driving around, I would notice that I would get these whiffs. And I, for the first like I don't know, probably four or six months here, I wasn't really, um, you know, familiar with that whole pot culture, and so I just thought that LA had a skunk problem. And although we do, we have a major rodent problem, uh, many different rodents. But uh, as I came to find out, that obviously was not a skunk problem. That was a pot problem. 
<laughs> well, you know, it's funny because a couple of years back, uh, my state represent my state senator came to one of our, our Tea Party meetings, and he asked. He says, well, "This is a strange question because he had a mother with a child that was having as many as sixty five seizures a day." And he asked, you know, what would your response be to medicinal marijuana? And he was absolutely surprised because every last one of us to a person said, we have no problem with medicinal marijuana, especially if you've had the psychotropic removed from it, which can be done. There are ways in which to do it. But recreational marijuana and smoking just for the sake of smoking, we do not agree with that. So he was right. able to put forth legislation, which unfortunately has not passed yet. It's been a couple of years. So I have no problem with that. But when you're talking about recreational marijuana, uh, have you ever been behind someone driving when they smoke a couple? It's bad enough when you have someone with alcohol in their system. But when you add on pot, too, uh, you, you're just asking for more trouble. Yeah, you know, here in California, I... Uh, am around a lot of people who smoke recreationally and you know I just I notice and it's kind of a chicken and egg scenario uh, between a lifestyle that they lead and and being a prolific pot smoker it's like is it is it because of uh, some some personality trait or some behavioral thing or uh, you know a, a nurturing issue growing up you know the environment that they come from that they are compelled uh, to go in that direction or, you know, it, it, which one happens before the other. But in terms of the medicinal aspects of it, um, there has been so much research recently. I, I just watched a video a few days ago um, that was like a time-lapse video of a man who had Parkinson's and was, was shaking uncontrollably, and they did, you know, a sped-up video, <clears throat> a time-lapse video of him, of, I think it was 30 minutes, um, and at the beginning of the 30 minutes, they dropped cannabis oil on his skin and rubbed it in. And then it showed the progression over 30 minutes of how much it helped him stop shaking and, and stabilize his mental capacity. And, and also, you know, in cancer research, we're finding out more and more how cannabis, uh, obviously without the psychotropic of, uh, elements in place, but cannabis can help people uh, who are suffering from side effects from radiation and chemotherapy so there there are so many medicinal aspects to it but again you know smoking recreationally and i i hate to you know propagate this stereotype but i just i think that there's a certain lifestyle and a certain um productivity or lack thereof that comes into play when you have someone who is smoking pot all the time no, that that is true, and uh, I've seen the outcome of it. And unfortunately, it's like I said earlier, it's not the stuff that we had back in the '60s and '70s or even the '80s. They are mixing other things into it, and they've genetically altered it. So you know, you've got the fentanyl being mixed in with it. You've got other things being mixed in with it. It's not the same, and they're seeing a higher case of schizophrenia for, from people that are using it recreationally. It's been altered. Yeah, it's and not you know, the I. Same. So, I had a friend of mine who, um, when he moved to L.A., he, he had smoked pot here and there, I think, in college. Um, but when he came to L.A., he was smoking with some friends and had a terrible, terrible trip from it. And I don't know if there were ever any lasting effects. I don't think there were. But what we found out afterwards is that the weed that he had smoked was laced with PCP, 
Um, but it was a, a modified version of PCP, and it had a really, really scary effect on him. And that happens more often than you think. Oh, yeah. um, just to change the subject a little bit, because I had this as number one to talk to you about, and lo and behold, we're finally finding out that Twitter and Facebook and Google and YouTube and other liberal social media websites that claim to be fair and balanced really aren't. And uh, they've been censoring uh, those of us on the conservative side. Who would have thunk that? Yeah, you know, it's it's funny. Liberals love to make fun of conservatives and say that we are paranoid about gun grabs, just like, you know, them saying that we're paranoid about social media taking down our posts or removing us from, from social media altogether. And, you know, the hearing last week with Mark Zuckerberg basically solidified what we were all thinking. And look, I've, I've been thrown in Facebook jail numerous times. I've been shadow banned on Twitter. Um, I, I've been suspended from Twitter. Uh, I never posted any videos on YouTube personally because I've had numerous friends. One of my friends, Alfonso, who is a black conservative, uh, he was demonetized on YouTube. Dave Rubin, who is a gay liberal, but he's one of those liberals who, who he invites, you know, he has Larry Elder on his show. He has Ben Shapiro on his show. And so YouTube has demonetized him. I just saw that um, an interview that he did with Jordan Peterson, the psychologist from Toronto, uh, that that video on YouTube was demonetized. So it, it, happens, it happens as much as conservatives think it does, maybe even more, and definitely more than liberals think it does. And last week when Zuckerberg was questioned about it in Congress and he, he, he never really gave an answer as to whether they designed the algorithm to do just that, he basically just said, well, you know, Silicon Valley is a really liberal area. So he basically was, was saying, yeah, pretty much we do. <laughs> well, it's funny because I realized that I'm not going to be monetized because when I put up nine years ago my Beaufort Tea Party – it was, I know, eight years ago, Buford Tea Party on YouTube, when I used to broadcast, you know, our rallies, and they said, no, you can't monetize it. And I said, all right, fine. And then when I started doing this radio show now eight years ago, and I started putting stuff up onto YouTube, again, they will not allow me to monetize. And so I've been dealing with this for eight years straight. I found out I was shadow banned on a couple of other social websites. It happens to all of us. I can't tell you how many times I ended up in FITMO. Facebook put me in FITMO. Oh, you're sending out too many invites. You're banned from sending out any more invites. These are two people that joined my fan page that wanted to know when I was doing the show, and I would send them a notification to let you know, hey, there's one coming up. Nope, nope, you've got to ban them. <laughs> so it, 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 I've been dealing with this, uh, I'm sure you too, for me now eight years. So now they're finally getting yeah. it. It's it's very scary, and you know I, I can always tell when – a post on Facebook or something has conveniently disappeared from people's timelines because, you know, having a, a page on Facebook that I've managed for a while and knowing the engagement that I usually get, I can always tell when something has has been omitted from people's timelines because it obviously gets a much smaller outreach. And, you know, and of course you message, you message Facebook about it and ask them why, and they'll never give, they, they either won't respond or they will give you some 
some, you know, generic answer like it doesn't uh, comply with Facebook's terms of service or our community standards or something. And it's like, and I had this happen one time, um, <laughs> and this was crazy because it wasn't even a post. It was a comment that I made, a girlfriend that I went to Auburn with, she lives out here in California, and she posted something about, so she has, she has one little boy and she has two twin girls, and she was talking about, you know, whether they wanted to grow their family and things like that. And I, at the time, was reading a book by Brigitte Gabrielle, who is a Christian from Lebanon, who now lives in the United States, but she, lived, she was forced to live in an 8 by 10 bomb shelter with her family uh, during the Palestinian invasion in the 70s in the late seventies. And she talks about in her book about, um, you know, the, the level and the rate of procreation among the Islamic community. And so I commented on my friend Bethany's post and I said, yes, please, please keep having babies because Islamic communities are out reproducing Christian communities seven to one. Now that's not racist. It's just a fact. And my comment got deleted. (laughs) <laughs> oh yeah, that's sensitive. I know from my own experience that um, I would send out posts to, you know, pretty much put, you know, promote some of my books and things, and, and when they would be available on Amazon for free, and I would get no feedback. When in the beginning, wow. I used to get, you know, hundreds of feedback, and then it just kind of like just. It's almost as if it disappeared in the twilight zone. So yep. I know there's a concerted effort on the left to find uh, you know any any kind of voice from the right, and we, we we really have to do something about it or demand from our leaders, you know, in Washington to do something about it because you know I mean the playing field should be leveled for all opinions and views. And right now, it isn't. Well, I don't know, Amanda, if we should be asking the federal government to get involved in the Internet. Because uh, the second they do, you know they're going to mess it up worse than it already is. But I think it's going to have to be the fair, the free market out there. There are other websites that are starting to pop up, such as Gab.ai. There's MeWe. There's OneWay. Um, there's another one that uh, I found. So there are other websites are starting to try to compete. So I don't know if we want the federal government. Um, I, I, I don't know what the answer to this would be. What do you think? Yeah, I don't know. You know, one, one part of me, you know, I've, I've always been in the less legislation regulation camp, more uh, freedom within the free market to decide. Um, I think a little bit of regulation is not necessarily a bad thing, but in this instance, yeah, let the free market decide. I mean, the unfortunate thing is, um, you know, Facebook is basically does have a monopoly on this. And so what we need is we, meet, we need more conservative tech leaders to, to build a platform. In, and, you know, Gab, I got on Gab when it, when it first, uh, I think when it was actually still in its beta testing phase. And the unfortunate thing with Gab is they don't really have um, a great operating platform for mobile devices. It's a website, so you still have to go to your browser and go to gab.com or whatever and, and view it as a web page rather than an app. 
So those are just some of the, the more user-friendly things that, that tech creators need to, um, need to implement when they are creating these types of social media platforms. You know, I, I know I downloaded a Gab, oh, it's a Gab chat. They allow you to go into a chat room on your mobile phone, but not into the actual web page. Ah, that's what it is. I knew I had some sort of an app from Gab on there. But, you know, like I said, there, there are others that are out there now just starting. So I, I would say it, probably in the next couple of years, we're going to see maybe a, a flurry of new social websites that will cater to conservatives. I hope so. That would be fantastic. I mean, I know Twitter's been shadow banning me because I know I, I have so many followers, and when you see that you may only have one or two hits on something you post, you know something's wrong there. Uh, because uh, uh, Brett Brozell had on uh, Media Research, uh, his webpage, um, a good breakdown that says Twitter's the one that leads in uh, censorship. Um, Project Veritas had caught stat- staffers over there bragging about censoring conservatives. They're saying flat out that they're doing it. Uh, and as you said, Facebook hides uh, topics and feeds. Um, I, I told you, they told me I can't send out invites. <laughs> and when I do, they limit me only to 25 or 50 when I have several thousand followers. <laughs> so it, it's, it's happening left and right. But now, finally, the left is coming out of the shadow and openly admitting that they're doing this now. Yeah, and they, and they can't hide it. Obviously, we all know that it's happening. Um, but I think something we have to be really good at, and I see a lot of my friends on social media uh, who, who do this, every time this happens, when, when we are shadow banned or we have a post that is taken down or something, uh, and, and I do this too, when I post something on Facebook that I have a feeling they are going to um, either, either omit it or demonetize it or something like that as soon as I post it I'll take a screenshot and then if something happens I'll post it on another platform a a quote-unquote competitor platform so like Instagram or Twitter or something else (laughs) a little bit of a change of subject uh, to show you how rampant the left has become and you're gonna love this because you're out there in the Hollywood I've never heard of this woman before but Maria Bamford is supposed to be a comedian have you ever heard of her I haven't, no. Well, TMZ posted this, so you know it's not it's not coming from a conservative website. But TMZ posted that she has filed a restraining order against Donald Trump and wants a judge to keep him away from her because of his nuclear threats. He had a little bit of a conversation with uh, little Kim. Uh, in North Korea, and he basically said he also has a nuclear button, but mine is bigger and more powerful one than Kim's, and it works. So because of this, this 47-year-old comic said she was not amused with Trump's recent saber-rattling exchanges with North Korean strongman Kim Jong-un about their respective nuclear buttons. So the, she has asked this judge to keep for a restraining order to keep him at least 1,000 yards away. I don't think that's going to be a problem with Trump complying with that. Do you? <laughs> yeah, I don't think he's going to be seeking out this person. I think I think she's good. You know, this, this obviously, I mean, you asked me if I'd ever heard of her, and I said no. This is an instance of trying to gain a piece of, you know, 15 minutes of fame. 
I don't think she's going to have a problem with uh, Trump coming within a thousand yards of her, though. So, Judge, go ahead and give her the restraining order. <laughs> but this is, this you is know what? what that's that's just wasting. It's wasting time and it's wasting taxpayer money. It's it's absurd. What I find amusing about the left is, is like during election time, campaigning, um, they say things like, you know, well, if Trump wins, I'm moving out of the country. And uh-huh. the they're still here. <laughs> yep. What a hypocrite. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm waiting well, on them the, to make good on that promise. Well, didn't Matt Damon actually move his family to Australia? But he can't stay there full time because he's not an Australian citizen uh, yet. But he still returns to Hollywood so he can do his job as an actor. So he really hasn't emigrated to Australia. So there's also still that hypocrisy. And George Clooney maintains a villa in Italy. But in order to do his job as an actor, he's got to return to Hollywood and remain here. So, you know, they're not really leaving either when they say they do leave. No, I would like to export them permanently. And if they still, you know, if if they love their craft so much, if they just love acting so much, I'm sure there are some local theater productions that they can get involved with out of the country. <laughs> yeah, work for BBC or, you know, a Fellini-related uh, director in Italy. Yeah, you don't have to do your work here. You can act anywhere. So, yeah, like and you know, if, in Hollywood. Hey, and this is what the about thing. Bollywood? You know, you can't have it. <laughs> yeah, Bollywood. Um, but you can't have it both ways. You know, actors love, especially actors like that, love to talk about how important their craft is to them, and yet they are making dozens of million dollars a year on TV and film. So, which is it? Do you love the craft or do you love the money? Because if you love the craft you're free to go anywhere else and, and perform that, and exercise that craft. If you love the money, guess where that money comes from? Good old American capitalism. <laughs> and unfortunately, their movies are now bombing in the box office. And what is really flying in the box office are patriotic and conservative and religious movies. We we're finding more Christian-centered movies are making better bucks. They're produced at a less expense. But people love them. People are, are just eating them up. So, you know, still hasn't gotten the message that we don't care what they think. Middle America is still going to remain God-loving and gun-toting. Sorry about that, guys. You get it wrong every single time. Yeah, Hollywood has yet to get the message. You know, at the Oscars this, what was that, February or March, um, the woman who, who won the Oscar for supporting role in three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri, you know, she gave that speech about how from now on she wants to have um, a diversity rider in her contract, meaning that there should be some type of um, affirmative action aspect to hiring for roles in Hollywood, which, which is just so beyond idiotic to me because you're going to, you're going to embrace a situation where you are hiring people because they are a transgender or because they are a member of a minority community rather than choosing the best actor for the job. And, and you know what? I hope they do that because they will be going in a downward spiral more so than they already are so fast it's going to make them their husband. 
it's funny because uh, when my husband and I are watching TV or something like that, if I know there's a TV program coming on a specific channel, I turn around and tell them, even if you turn the TV off, do not leave it on that channel. Because people don't realize those little boxes, those little boxes say, hey, listen, they left it on, oh, I don't know, Hallmark Channel. So obviously Hallmark is one of their favorites. So they get credited for even though your TV is physically off, that box is still monitoring what channel that you've left it on. So I tell them, hey, listen, no, if you you want to do it, change it to a channel where we know we're not going to be sending our support. or Because the money that we pay for that subscription, part of that goes to support that channel. So I know I'm not going to give them my money. So (laughs) change the channel. That's as simple as that. Talking about changing channels, Laura Ingram had uh, last laugh because after everyone jumped ship on her, because uh, she had that little one-on-one with the, that little twerp from Florida, David Hogue. Uh, so a lot of these advertisers jumped ship. Well, lo and behold, she came back from her little vacation, and her ratings shot through the roof to the number one slot. And not only that, Ace Hardware did a Mia Copa, and they said, uh, well, we didn't have the complete in- information apologize to her show and return to advertising on her. So the left can't even do a boycott properly. Yeah. Um, I saw that her viewership was up 20%. And you know what else? Uh, Membership at the NRA is up, uh, I think, 25%. So Americans are speaking very, very loudly. And, uh, and I think they're, I think, and I hope they are being heard. Yeah, I really do, because the the attack on the NRA, uh, it was just awful. And when I listened to the protests and some of the arguments people had against the NRA, they just lacked complete logic. They had no idea what the NRA was about, what they do. And you add in that the uh, House passed that weak, limp schools uh, safety bill, and in the bill was a little section in there that no one really paid much attention to, that federal funds will be withdrawn from a school if they promote gun safety or teach anything about firearms in the school. So any school then technically that has an ROTC program will lose federal funding. Did anyone yeah, really pay attention amazing. to that bill that they passed? It's amazing to me how many people you know, will scream their head off about the NRA and they'll say, I had a conversation with someone last week via text message, a friend of mine who likes to, she only texts me when she's enraged about something. But she text messaged me, you know, went on this, this long rant about the NRA and how they've fought tooth and nail against background checks. And I was like, really, that's interesting. Are you familiar or are you aware of the fact that the NRA is actually who fought in support of the NIC system, the National Instant Check System. It is, it is because of the NRA that we even have any type of background check system. And she was like, I don't think that's true. That's got to be fake news. I was like, all right, well, why don't you look it up? They're always in denial. <laughs> yeah. you know, it's got to be fake news. There's a thing that um, Barack Obama was the perfect spokesman for the NRA because under his presidency, they really grew their membership by leaps and bounds. Absolutely, and, and gun sales too. too. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's 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 starting to backfire on them a big time because sixteen Republican members of Congress are asking for the Government Services Administration, the GSA, 
to reevaluate a $700 billion contract with Citibank as a result of the bank's anti-gun policies. The congressman sent a letter authored by uh, Todd Rokita. Uh, he's a Republican out of Indiana. Uh, she, they sent this letter just this last Wednesday, and they asked her to terminate the contract based upon the company's new restrictions on firearm retailers. And it looks like they're going to try to do the same thing with Bank of America. Now, if people think back, it was Citibank and Bank of America that were offering bank accounts to illegal aliens. If you remember, a number of years ago, they were offering not only just bank accounts, but credit cards, too. Now, what spells more of a credit risk than an illegal alien? You know, they're going to pay their bills. They're here illegally. So what are you going to do? (laughs) What are you going to do to them? Yeah, there's really no, there's really not a substantial tracking method for that for, you know, basically enforcing them to pay up on, on any, you know, debt that they have. But I've banked with Bank of America uh, for 12 years, and I haven't had a chance to do it this week. But next week, I am going to be moving my all three of my accounts from Bank of America to another bank um, because I'm just I'm I'm fed up with them and I'm fed up with the politics. And it's astounding to me that Bank of America and Citibank and all of these other corporations can cease business relations with companies because they disagree with their ideology. But a baker in Oregon can't refuse service to someone on on religious grounds. Really, that's where we are now. Well, that is where we are now. Uh, it looks like we may have a tied turn on that one, uh, especially with the new Supreme Court with Judge Gorsuch on the court. Uh, so we are seeing a turn, but we have to, as conservatives, band together. And when we have a company such as Citibank or Bank of America. And just like, as you say, pull your accounts. I had an account with Citibank a number of years ago, and I didn't like what they were doing. I yanked the account. And that's what we have to do. We have used the capitalist system we have. Let the free market speak and let our opinion be heard. You know, PayPal had to back off on uh, restricting gun sales. And now, once again, they started to do some rumblings about it. And then people started turning around to PayPal. Hey, listen, there's other ways in which we can do credit card transactions. We don't need you. But PayPal has been linked to so many other transactions, such as Amazon. Everywhere you go, PayPal is linked up there. But we have to find a way to work without PayPal. Yeah, I've kind of, I'm kind of, I feel like I'm moving in the direction of an anarchist mentality where I'm just going to start storing my money under my mattress. (laughs) Well, my husband kind of cracked up because we started buying silver coins. And, you know, we have them shipped to the house and uh, he goes, all right, where do you want to put them? And we automatically both went to the same exact spot and we cracked up about it. But people are starting to, yeah, buy coins. You know, if if something happens and you need to have some currency, you know, the dollar is going to deflate, but precious metals are going to increase no matter what. So it's a guaranteed return. Um Matter of fact, also, uh, one of the things we did, <clears throat> we refused to join AARP, especially with their support of Obozocare. Uh, there's an organization that's been out there called AMAC, A-M-A-C, and people can go and join AMAC. It was designed for those 50 and older, the same way as AARP. They offer basically the same services at a lot less cost. Uh, it is centered around the individual, you 
are the ones that run the organization. It's not run from the top with the CEO down. It's the members actually run it. And it also in, invites people under the age of 50 to become an associate member with all the privileges too. So, you know, there are organizations and groups out there that are countering the message that the left has been shoving in our face. Yeah, and with and with respect to medical care costs, you're starting to see more organizations pop up like, uh, what's the name, Liberty Health Share, that's like medical expense sharing groups. Um, I think the first few were, were Christian-based, but you can find organizations like that uh, instead of buying into Obamacare, which obviously we still have here in California through the state exchange, which, by the way, when... When I had health insurance, I think I had it through Anthem Blue Cross prior to Obamacare. I, I'm generally a healthy person. I don't, I don't get sick, but maybe once a year. Unfortunately, it's almost always around my birthday because uh, that's when things are in bloom and my allergies flare up, so my immune system is down, and then I inevitably uh, get a sinus infection or flu or something. But I get sick once a year, but I do suffer from migraines. So a lot of the, the migraine prescriptions that I use are, are relatively new, and so uh, most of them have seven-year patents on them, so there aren't generic drugs that I can purchase at a lower cost. So prescription coverage is pretty much the most important aspect of any health care plan for me. And prior to Obamacare, I was paying, I think, 232 a month for my health care. Now that covered my prescriptions, which out of pocket would be, I mean, some of these migraine prescriptions are like 300 bucks for six pills. Um, they're very, very expensive. So that prescription coverage was very important to me. And, and it was like, you know, $15 for the name brand. If I, for some reason, purchased anything generic, it was like $5. So it was very reasonable. And then when Obamacare kicked in, my plan jumped up to 382 and I no longer had any prescription coverage, and that was the that was the bronze level plan. I couldn't afford, I couldn't well, not that I couldn't afford. I couldn't justify spending six hundred dollars on healthcare as as a healthy person in my thirties. That's just it's, it's completely out of sight. So I here in California, I have spoken to so many friends who, you know, friends of mine who are married and have multiple kids. And their monthly premiums went up like two thousand dollars. Wow, wow, that's more than a mortgage in in many instances. So you have a choice. Mm-hmm. You know, you have you you get the mandatory health care or you go without. You know, I remember growing up, <clears throat> excuse me, in the sixties and seventies. In the doctor, when you went to the doctor, he would he would either turn around and say, "Right, fine, you know, pay me fifteen dollars a week or fifteen dollars a month, whatever you can afford, and we'll work the bill off." Or someone would someone would do it, and they would say, "We'll do it pro bono." You know, we know that you're struggling no matter what. Or they will trade services, and that was the way it was done for the longest time. So everyone had access to health care. You know, it's just a matter of how you were able to afford it. You know, it, it when they came up with this universal health care, they screwed the system so up, so badly that the only people that are making any any good out of it, any money out of it would be the pharmacies, the, the pharmaceutical companies, and the medical providers, you know, the, the the huge insurance providers, because they're raking in the money knowing that, hey, they're never going to be paying out on a claim because you'll never meet the deductible. Yep. Yeah, my, my dermatologist, um, melanoma runs in my dad's side of the family, so 
as a as a fair skinned white girl, I have to be very cognizant of any changes in skin or anything like that. So I have a dermatologist back home in Alabama who I go see every time I'm home just to have her check things out. And because I don't have health insurance, I just cut her office a check for a hundred bucks and, and that's it. At the end of the day, that's, that's all I pay. Um, because she has unfortunately come to terms with the fact that that's the situation for a lot of people. So a lot of doctors are, are starting to move in that direction or, you know, move back in that direction like it was decades ago. Yeah, well, I I pay for a concierge service. <clears throat> so with anything that's going on, because my husband's health is not the greatest. And, you know, I've had, I think, 24 surgeries myself. So, you know, we need some something to guarantee that I can get into the doctor. Because with Obamacare, you know, he called the office to make an appointment, and they treated him as if he was under Obamacare. And like, no, we'll see you like two months down the road. Wait a minute. He just got out of the hospital last week. The doctor wants to see him ASAP. So, you know, we were able to call and say, all right, no, 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 no. We're getting in now, not two months from now. But this is what people are having to deal with. You know, we can afford the concierge service, so we, we – just alter our, our our monthly expenses so that we're able to afford it. But this is what people are being forced to do. And it's a shame. They, they messed up the system. The elite who think they were doing something good, but the unintended consequences is what you have to face and what millions of other Americans are doing. They either afford insurance or they afford the food and the home around their kids. Yeah, you know, last, let's see, was it last year? I think it, actually it was two years ago. Um, I, I had a choking incident. Uh, this is an embarrassing story to tell. But uh, I had gone out to dinner with some friends and something had upset my stomach. And so my boyfriend um, had suggested chewing on some raw ginger because ginger, you know, very similar to ginger ale can help settle your stomach. Well, I hate the taste of ginger, and he kept pushing me to to take it and to just, you know, you don't even have to swallow it or anything. You just chew on it. And I was, <laughs> being the obstinate person that I am, I was so fed up with him badgering me about it, I threw it in my mouth, tried to. Oh. Uh, unfortunately, it got lodged in my throat, and I ended up having to go to the hospital here and long story short, at the end of the day, my medical bills were twenty two thousand dollars. Wow! Whoa! Whoa! Yeah. Don't argue with your yeah. boyfriend next time. <laughs> Listen. I know. Lesson learned. <laughs> uh, I wanted to bring this up because we were talking about healthcare, and uh, Keith Ellison. Oh, he's the gift that keeps on giving. Uh, Democratic out of uh, Minnesota, Keith Ellison, the Muslim in in Congress. Uh, made a statement that women are dying because we're losing elections. He said this on his speech on Friday to increase voter participation. And his statement was, women are dying because we are losing elections. We don't have the right to lose a damn election. We have to win. We have to win. And you know, as I'm reading this article that was up in Newsmax, they say that uh, – that, that, um, they're saying that he was probably – saying that women depend upon Democratic victories, uh, that in Missouri and Texas and maybe other places, maternal mortality has risen. 
And in December of last year, the Kansas City Star reported that Missouri's maternal death rate among, is among the highest in the nation. And the U.S. rate is the highest in developed countries. And they're basing this on the state's high rate of smoking and obesity during pregnancy, which put women at risk for complications. Now, this is a lifestyle choice. This is not a health care issue. This is a lifestyle choice. If you're pregnant and you're obese, and if you're pregnant and if you're smoking, that's a lifestyle choice. So it has nothing to do with, you know, Obamacare or Democrats in, in, in office. It has to do with lifestyle choices, isn't it? And, Am I reading this and, and it Yeah, no, absolutely. And and so what do they propose will happen if more Democrats will be elected? The Democrats will ban smoking when you're pregnant, so you're going to have someone in your home making sure you're not smoking water. I mean, how how do you even enforce something like that? We we already have labels on cigarette cartons and any type of alcohol that lets the consumer know about the inherent pregnancy risk. What I mean, other than, than skipping over to a big brother mentality where big brother is constantly watching you, how, how do you even enforce that? Oh, they would find a way. But I just love, yeah. <laughs> but I just love, I just love the logic that, you know, women are dying because Democrats are not voting for Democrats. Uh, that I is just a love long the for a that... short drink of water. <laughs> But, hey, lo and behold, if anyone has actually read the Obamacare bill, which I did read the House bill and the uh, Senate bill before they were married together and passed, there is a section in there that allowed them to come into your home to see what is in your cupboards and how you're treating your, your children. So they can penalize you if you're obese, and they can penalize you if you're smoking, according to the original Obamacare bill. So they tried it, Amanda. They did try it. Yeah, I mean, but but this is kind of one of those bigger issues um, and and larger differences between the left and the right. The right is about personal responsibility and you know personal choice and and ownership of those choices and their subsequent um, consequences. And the left just wants to control it. And that's, that's a shame. And again, it comes down to the idea of totalitarianism, which we're seeing rise in the Democratic Party with the influence of socialism and communism in the Democratic Party, and which I had asked um, our previous guest, will the Democratic Party ever be able to survive if they continue to go further and further to the left? And I don't think so. I don't think true Americans will put up with it for much longer. No, and I think we are actually starting to see the pattern that happens when the left moves further left. You know, the, the, I don't know if you guys saw uh, Rose, um, Roseanne's interview on Jimmy Kimmel a few weeks, or maybe it was the week prior to the premiere of the reboot of her show, Roseanne, but she, she said, uh, Jimmy Kimmel was talking about her political stance and he's like, well, you know, you're, you're pretty socially liberal. What happened? And she's like, nothing happened. I didn't go anywhere. You guys moved. You guys moved so far to the left. And I think she used a few, um, a few dirty words, but, you know, the point is, is that the left has moved so far left that conventional and moderate and conservative Democrats, are, you know, it's, the, the liberal party is no longer recognizable to them. Isn't it something how wonderful their policies are that they have to force you or compel you to, to accept them? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> 
Well, uh, my co-host Curtis probably would appreciate this uh, because it gets even better. Because right after Keith Ellison did his his lovely statement, uh, Joe Biden again, crazy Joe, <laughs> the crazy oh, Uncle okay. Joe in the room, uh, oh, okay. he has asserted that Trump's that uh, he said that Trump's assertion that millions of people voted illegally in the 2016 election is a flat lie. Yet there's a lawsuit and investigation going on in West Virginia, Virginia, Pennsylvania. I know about. Uh, I know that several of the states are looking in and said yes, they have found voter fraud. And there was a woman that was arrested for illegal voting in Florida. Uh, so there are finding instances of illegal voting in the 2016. Uh, but then uh, he turns around, and of course, I didn't even know Al Sharpton was still on the air. I think I got more followers than he does. <laughs> but he was on Sharpton's for, uh, show saying that uh, Republicans are trying to disfranchise minorities by pressing for voter identification laws. Uh, they're still pressing on this idea that we're doing voter suppression with these voter ID. And yet, I don't know if you were aware that uh, here when Nikki Haley was governor in South Carolina here, uh, they passed legislation, and she implemented it, where you can call up the state and say, hey, listen, I need a ride to get a voter ID. And she was having them issued for free for a limited period of time because they said something like a quarter of a million people in South Carolina were disenfranchised because they didn't have you know, official ID. So she said, we'll provide you with the transportation. You call a toll-free number, so you're not even paying for the call. We will pick you up at your house, take you to get your to DMV to get your ID. It won't cost you a penny, and we'll take you home. So out of these quarter million people that were supposedly disenfranchised, I think it was less than 2,000 actually took her up on the offer. So yeah. Well, this is, this is the bigotry of low expectations, the idea that certain demographics and certain communities are simply incapable of doing these things on their own. Like, I mean, that, that's racism in its purest sense to me. That, that's, it's the bigotry of low expectations. And I, I read a book on psychology about the psychology between Republicans and Democrats, and that's one of the main points is that conservatives – uh, with with the idea of personal responsibility that, I mean, you know, me, just as a person, I, I think that people are perfectly capable of, of working jobs and registering to vote and, and you know, getting their own food. And I, I, I prefer to think that, you know, barring certain circumstances, disability or whatever, that, that everybody is capable of doing that. But the left wants to, to keep certain communities in this place where they are beholden to vote Democrat the rest of their life, and it's because of programs like that and because of ideas like that. Well, actually, what I think it's about this notion that a lot of minorities do not have IDs because you need IDs to go to the airport, to go to the liquor store in most cases, and even to apply for welfare, you know. you got to have some kind of ID. Yeah. Yep. Cigarettes. Well, yeah, that, that's true. That is true. Um, we're down to our last seven and a half minutes on the show, and then it's, a, it's such a, so much fun with you. Uh, I just wanted to one, run one more thing past you. Um, actually, I had a lot more to talk to you about because uh, you also – it was funny. You have a commercial you did for a committee to defend the president uh, where they're finally trying to get Hillary prosecuted for funneling – funds through the DNC when she was running for president, something like $84 million were funneled through there. 
And as I was doing my show notes, I was my husband was asking who was on the show, and there your face popped up on the TV. I had a crack up. Um, <laughs> yeah, but, you know, uh, when I left the entertainment I, industry, I was in the entertainment industry for nine years, and when I left that industry to go into what I'm doing now, I thought that my days of screen time were over, but apparently not. <laughs> But uh, California is trying to pass legislation that if you have a website, a social website anywhere in California, they want you to fact check it for fake news. Uh, They want you to now, someone like me, a small person, if I were to have a website that was built and maintained in California, I would then have to hire someone so that anything that was posted or if someone posted it to my website, I had to fact check everything. Are, are they insane? Yeah. Uh, well, yes, but but they are actually. I mean, this is a very calculated measure to to purge conservatives from California, because basically what the legislation says is that you, if you have a website, or and and that to them is defined as you know a web page, so www.thehollywoodconservative.us, or a social media page. So if you have a Facebook account, Twitter account, Instagram, Snapchat, whatever, and you have a physical presence in California, not only are you now compelled to fact check the, the things that you are posting yourself, but they, their plan is if this bill passes is to, um, is to build a social media or a, a, a news checking council here in California that will go and check all of your articles, all of your posts, and check the sources, and you can actually be penalized financially um, for being a, a speech criminal is what they call it. So it's, it's terrifying <laughs> because, kind of like, who, uh, you know, in, uh, yeah, exactly, because who's going to deem what is real or fake news? If it's something that, if I post something that they don't like, they, I'm sure that they will find a way to deem that as fake news. Oh, man. Oh, one other thought I'm going to leave you with. Um, I know Alabama, because you're a native from Alabama, is looking for a new uh, state school superintendent. Uh, just look, if you've got friends and relatives out there, uh, tell them to contact their representative, because one of the people they're being considered for is Jeffrey Moss, who is our county uh, school superintendent here in South Carolina, he's bad news. Um, He left North Carolina, and whatever happened up there, was the records were sealed. No one was able to find out why he left the North Carolina school district, although we do know it had to deal with some nepotism in his trying to hire his wife for a position. He then came here to South Carolina and pulled the very same stunts, tried to hire his wife, and there was a huge ethics violation, which he he actually confessed and and pleaded guilty to these ethic violations and paid a fine. Uh, now there's an FBI investigation in some construction projects he had in the school district and some firms he dealt with and an attorney that he brought from North Carolina down here to South Carolina. So he's up for a job there in Alabama. So if you want your school system in Alabama to be kind of sane and no corruption, uh, just let them know that this guy that is – number four in the running, uh, that he's not good news. Just to give you a heads up. Thank you. My my sister-in-law is a teacher, so thank you for letting me know. Yeah. His name is Jeffrey Moss, and he knows I am squarely against him. 
because I showed up at a school board meeting. I handed him my business card. He looked at it, and he threw it up in the air and away. And I said, oh, gee, my feelings are really, really hurt. (laughs) If someone like that that is doing something like that, you're doing something right. And right is in in exclamation points. So, Amanda, it has been so much fun having you on the show. I want to have you come back and and be a frequent guest with us. Uh, It was all free form, like I told you, and everything was coming off the top of my head or some articles I just pulled up last night. And you do a great job. Your website, I have up both links to the Rebel Media that people can watch your radio show, the Rebel Buzz there, and well as the Hollywood Conservatives. So both links are up on the show page. So when people listen to the podcast, which is also being broadcast on YouTube and Facebook, so Facebook, try to get this off, (laughs) they can click on the links and check you out. Wonderful. Thank you so much. All right. Amanda Head, check her out. Again, the links are up on the show page, the Hollywood Conservative and the Rebel Media. Curtis, that's all we got for today. We will be back uh, on Friday. And... (laughs) Well, we're going to have Chet Nagel. He was supposed to be with us last Friday, but because he had a business meeting, he'll be joining us, uh, as well as Dan Perkins. Uh, that we're going to be talking about a lot going on. And we've got some great guests coming up for the rest of the week. Uh, Daniel Greenfield, uh, the Sultan Mish, uh, will be joining us again. Uh, so we've got some great shows lined up. So I encourage everyone to check out our webpage, which is Southern Sense, put a dash in the middle, Southern Hyphen Sense. If you go to our webpage, I have... If you sign up and become a member, I do not send you a thousand emails. You only get two a week. Uh, If you sign up on the email, we're giving away a free copy of Lenny McAllister's book, A Diary of a Mad Black PYC, Politically Correct Conservative. Um, So until then, I say that is all we got going on. So I leave you with our closing song, When the Roll is Called Up Yonder. And I say until then, Good night and God bless.
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.